Matthew chapter 5, verse number 7 is where we're going to be tonight. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 7. We are walking through the Beatitudes. This is our fifth week in this study. Uh, We have looked at many great Beatitudes thus far. Uh, Verse number 3 started it off for us. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I'll review that here in just a second. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And then tonight, blessed are the merciful, for they shall attain mercy. Remember, each one of these beatitudes flows from the heart of the previous. All of these are very instrumental in our lives and should be instrumental in our lives. All of these should be a part of a Christian. Uh, much like, you know, fruit of the Spirit, it shouldn't be, well, I have this fruit, but I don't have that fruit. Well, all of them collectively is how a Christian should act. And really what Jesus is trying to do for us, he's, he's trying to, as I've said many times, he is trying to really go against the culture and go against the norm and teach us that what you think is right actually is wrong based on the world standards. And what God is telling us to do is going to help us thrive and and find joy in the Christian life. And the pictures he is painting for us, again, goes against what was going on, especially back in those times, and really for us today as well. Because for many of us, we think the way to be successful is to have anything and everything. But Jesus is saying the exact opposite, especially with that very first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And tonight we're talking about mercy. Um, I'm not probably going to do it, but I thought about... How many have ever played the game Mercy? How many have ever played the game Mercy? I thought about having like a little uh, you know, Mercy game tonight with like a couple, like a husband and a wife. Any volunteers? I mean, father and son, I, mean, I guess we could do it. I thought about it, but then I'm like, you know what? Someone's going to get hurt really, really bad, and I don't want that to happen on church property because we'd have to take care of it. So, I mean, if you want to play outside church, if you want to, it's all totally up to you. But you guys know what the game Mercy is, right? You know, you, two people, and they kind of, like, connect hands, and you're trying to, like, you know, basically squeeze them, and, like, you know, whoever, whoever you know, bends it farther back, like, ah, Mercy, 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 right? Carmen, you want to play? You want to try? You and Amanda? You never played it? That wasn't a common game? Wow, it's crazy. All right, who, ha- who has played the game Mercy? All right, so you know what I'm talking about. Um, what about, ooh. Man, I'm very tempted on that one. I am very tempted. Oh, I need someone to put that in writing for me. Let's get a legal document just in case. Sign it. We have a bunch of witnesses. Oh, okay. But if Cadence does, you will. Is that what you're saying? Okay, okay. Uh, let, let's 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 just let's just keep going on. All right, let's keep going on from that. Anyway, um, that's not what Jesus had in mind when he's talking about the merciful. But I was just thinking about that today. Let me ask this question: How many of you would consider yourselves to be a sympathetic person? Some of you are like. Eh. I know it does depend on the situation. All right, those that would consider yourself more sympathetic, typically outside of a situational basis. Why would you consider yourself to be a sympathetic person? Let's ask that question. Anybody want to say anything about it? Michael? You have a heart. <laughs> Christina does not? Oh, okay, okay. Tiffany? <laughs> 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 Can I understand what they're going through? 
Yeah, yeah, that's good. Anybody else? You feel bad for them? Yeah. Anybody else? No, no, no. Nobody at all. <laughs> I'm trying not to get in trouble tonight. We are live for at least three people that are watching. So, um, anyway, um, you know, we live in a world that is very unsympathetic, I guess we could say, right? Very cold hearted, very insensitive, whether it's my wife or whether myself. I know I can struggle with that, and probably you can as well, being insensitive towards others' needs. Now, we are very good at taking care of our own needs, right? If something is wrong in our life, we're going to take care of it. But sometimes taking care of someone else's needs is very difficult for us. And we see this all around in our world today. Um, Really, here's a great illustration of this. Several several years ago, true story, a man and his wife were traveling on the interstate highway in Florida when their car broke down. The next exit was some 40 miles away. There had been a, a, a rash of highway robberies, so no one was stopping to help them. And I mean, you can't really blame them for that. They actually counted over 100 cars that drove past them until finally they stopped counting. At last, a man stopped to help, a man who could barely speak English. He helped them out, took no money for it when they offered, and then drove away. The wife turned to her husband and said, How do you pay somebody back for that, for what he just did? After thinking for a while, the husband said, We can't. But what we can do is pass along what he did for us. And I like that illustration because that's what the Sermon on the Mount is. It's not necessarily repaying the debt that Jesus has given us, right? We can't pay it back. We can't pay back what he has done for us. But what we can do in a sense or in essence is pay it forward, right? And understand what he wants us to be. You know, Jesus is telling his disciples again that the only way to be filled, as we talked about last week, it's not hungering for more food. It's hungering for the only thing in life that will fill you. Righteousness after Jesus Christ Now tonight we're talking about mercy. Where does mercy come from? These first four Beatitudes that we've talked about the past few weeks teach us that mercy comes from a heart that has first felt its spiritual bankruptcy. The heart has come to grieve its sin and has learned to wait meekly for timing of the Lord. Uh, They've learned to cry out in anger, not anger, but in hunger for the work of God's mercy to satisfy the righteousness that we need. I like this quote that I came across today from another preacher about mercy. He said this, Mercy comes from mercy. And what he was meaning is this, Our mercy to each other comes from God's mercy to us. That's a very powerful quote. Mercy comes from mercy. Our mercy to each other or towards each other comes from God's mercy towards us. A lot of times when we talk about mercy, we talk about grace, and we try to intertwine the two. Now they are similar, but they're both uniquely different. Because mercy is, anybody know a good definition of mercy or a simple definition of mercy? What is mercy versus grace? Anybody want to venture something, Mike? Mercy is not giving somebody a punishment that they do deserve. Yeah. Grace would be giving something good to somebody. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, simplify what he was basically saying is mercy is not getting what we deserve. You think about in life. Obviously, we are all born sinners because of the sin-cursed world that we live in. So as a sinner that is born into this world, what do we deserve? Hell, right? It wasn't created for us. It was created for the devil and his angels. But because of sin, we deserve hell. Now, grace is getting what we don't deserve. What do we not deserve? Because of our sin. 
heaven, the relationship with Jesus. But it is freely given to us if we accept it. And I, I love this. Mercy pities us while grace pardons us. The word mercy in the Greek is the word elios, which means to wash over. I think it has the connotation here of kind of uh, whitewashing a wall. Uh, what you're doing is washing away the impurity. You're canceling a debt that deserves to be paid. Mercy goes far beyond sympathy or even empathy. I read a good quote from another pastor who said this on mercy. It is compassion in action, or it's love in action. And that's, that's what it comes down to. And tonight, I want to give a couple uh, principles, uh, really kind of a self-examination lesson as well. Many of these Wednesday night lessons here the past couple weeks have been more self-examination to see where it is in our lives and see what needs to be uh, fixed and see what needs to be uh, figured out to where we can be the best Christian um, that God wants us to be. But before we do that, let's first look at God because the first point we have tonight is this, God who exemplifies mercy. Mercy comes from God himself because God is merciful. There are many... Uh, uh, scripture references that talk about this. One, I think of Ephesians 2, 4. I, I love this passage where it says, but God who is what? Anybody know that, the rest of that verse? But God who is rich in mercy. Now, when, when you just hear those words without even understanding the full context of Ephesians 2, what comes to your mind when you hear that? God who is rich in mercy. Or w w what do you think of? Anybody? There you go. That's great. What else? Someone else said something I thought. He has a lot of it, yeah. has a lot of it. He has an abundance of it, yeah. He is rich in something. If I am rich in something, I am wealthy in it. I have a lot of whatever that is. And that's the thing about God. He has a lot of mercy. God who is rich in mercy for his great love, he loved us, right? He gave his only son to die for us. And he wanted us to, to, uh, to understand that, to be saved. And he came to, to raise us back to life because we were dead in the trespasses and our sins, as we learned uh, in Ephesians chapter 2 in the first few verses. Uh, Lamentations 3.22, it says this, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not, what? Anybody know? Consumed. Basically killed because of who we are. Because His compassions fail not. He is compassionate. He is loving. Um, I'm going to kind of uh, paraphrase some of this in Nehemiah chapter 9, uh, because it's, it's kind of a lengthy verse. But here, here's what the verse is saying in Nehemiah 9.17, that you know they, the Israelites, they refuse to, to listen to God. They refuse to obey God. They did not remember God's wondrous acts for them. And again, how many times have we done that? We, we refuse to listen, we refuse to obey, we forgot what God did for us. Anybody? Yeah, many of us. So that's how the, 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 the verse starts, but then it continues. So they, talking about the Israelites, the Israelites stiffened their necks. And in their rebellion, they appointed a leader, and they returned to slavery, into Egypt. But then I love the, the last part where it's basically saying this, God, you are a God of forgiveness. God, you are gracious. God, you are merciful. You're compassionate. So, so think about that before I finish the verse. Basically what this is saying is that even though the Israelites were stiff-necked, hardened, uh, rebellious individuals, God still forgave them. God was still gracious towards them. He was still merciful towards them, compassionate towards them, loving towards them slow to anger, uh, abundant in loving kindness. And, and the great thing about this verse and really this passage, what we learn is that God did not abandon them. And you know what we learn for us today? God does not abandon us. That's just a, a small 
attribute of the God that we serve, a God that is merciful. And I love what that verse teaches us, that Israel deserves something far worse, right? Because of their rebellion, because of their sin, uh, but they could have gotten something far worse than what they got. Yet despite their foolishness, despite their rebellion, God never wavered. He never abandoned them, and you know what? He doesn't abandon us today. And that's the very first and foremost thing that we need to understand about a God who exemplifies mercy. And really, there are so many other passages we can take and turn to with this understanding of, of a God who is merciful. I mean, scriptures are full of it. Psalms is full of it. Uh, what's the psalm? Psalm, was it 139? Um, His mercy endureth forever. Or just kind of continues to repeat it. I might have the wrong psalm there. But it just continues to talk about His mercy, His mercy, His mercy, His mercy. It's ongoing. It's, it's never-ending. Second thing I want to talk about tonight is this. The qualities of the merciful. Because remember the verse, it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So what are some qualities of those that are merciful individuals? Not merciless, like some of us, but merciful. Uh, There are many qualities that we can talk about, and I think one quality is this. Mercy doesn't necessarily mean this, but there's a quality of forgiveness. Someone that is truly merciful has learned to forgive other people has learned that, you know what, first and foremost, here's what it comes down to. I have been forgiven, right? For my sins, for my wickedness, for my rebellion. And since I have been forgiven, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to forgive others. Now, that's something many of us, many of you guys have been in church for a while. Most of us understand that, right? But how many practice that every day? Probably hardly any of us. So let me just ask this. Why do we struggle so much with that? Why do we struggle so much with the forgiveness aspect, the forgiveness quality? Anybody? I, obviously, the, the simple thing is because, you know, the sin nature that we have. But why do we struggle so much with forgiveness and forgiving other people? Tiffany? I think maybe sometimes depending on the situation, if somebody hurts you, you don't want to forgive that person because they hurt you so badly. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, someone hurts you very badly. How can you forgive someone that hurt you very, very badly and very deeply? Uh, What else? Why do we struggle with that? Ethan, you got something? Yeah, whenever you're really mad. Does that happen a lot to you? Okay, all right. Good example. Whenever you're really, really mad, you don't want to forgive people. Is that you with your parents or your brothers and sisters? Oh, okay, let's just just stop right there, right? It's a family problem about about to erupt, so I'm trying to help you guys. Julie and then Christina? That's, that's good. Sometimes when they hurt you, you really think they need to be hurt too, right? Anybody? anybody yeah. Christina? Yeah? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I know you're not. He definitely is, but you're not. Um, what else? This is good. Yes? Oh, that's good. Yeah. We think they don't deserve it because they're not sorry. And sometimes... It's true, right? They're probably not really sorry for what they've done. Uh, man, that's, that's, that's a great point. Uh, what else? Randy? That's good. Been hurt so many times by maybe the same person or types of people that we've almost hardened our heart towards that. Amanda? Oh, yeah. They don't deserve anything good. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. What else? I just don't know the hand. Jason? I think sometimes you want, you want to get 
Yeah, that's good. Yeah. We all want to receive forgiveness, but yeah, you got to change before I'm even going to forgive you. That's good. I like that. What else? Anybody else? Yeah, Tyler? I think sometimes you feel that if you forgive them and they haven't repented, that makes you vulnerable somehow. Oh, yeah. That's good. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think that's many of us sometimes. Uh, man, this, this is good. Again, there's so many things that we could talk about with this, but why else? Why do we have a hard time forgiving other people? Anybody else? Mike? Because it's easier to sink into bitterness and anger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, well, a lot of times, it doesn't be Correct. Correct. So yeah. Because you don't have to hold on to anger. It just kind of holds on to you. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. Some of you are probably angry tonight. I could see it in your face. Oh, it's just your face? Okay. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> never mind. Every Wednesday. Uh, what else? What else? Anybody else? Why, why do we have such a hard time? Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling like we're not forgiven or unforgiven, it's hard for us, yeah, to forgive other people. Oh, that's good. Amanda, you got something else? That's good. Um, that is true because it's it is impossible in our human DNA to forget, right? Unless someone takes a club and beats you over their head, and then boom, yeah. Or you never know where your phone's at, and you always ping it. Bing, where's that? Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, man, that, that's good. But uh, forgiveness is a quality of mercy and being merciful. Now, let, let's let's try to illustrate it even further. You know, when someone does something wrong to us or messes up, I don't want you to answer this. I want you to think about it. Do we often, just think about it this way. If someone messes up and they make a mistake, do you often rub it in or rub it out? And what I mean by that is that mercy from the Greek is that that whitewashing, kind of washing it away. You know, sometimes we are good about rubbing in other people's mistakes, right? I knew you were going to fail. I knew you were going to mess up. And we just point it out. We're good at that, right? So are we doing more of that, or are we trying to wash it out and realize that, you know what? They messed up. They sinned. They, they made a mistake. You know, and that's what mercy is. It's understanding, again, it's something like, like many of you have said, it's something that needs to be an ongoing process because in our human DNA, it's, it's hard for us. But, you know, an interesting th- thing, in fact, about forgiveness is that we are called to receive it. And when we are called to receive it, and Jason's kind of talking about this, it feels so satisfying, doesn't it, when you get it? It's satisfying when someone forgives you for something that you messed up, something that you, you, it was horrible, a, a situation. But when you're called to give it out, it's very difficult. And it almost feels wrong, doesn't it? When someone wrongs us, you know what we want? And you know what we pray for? Justice. We need justice in this situation. But again, it, 
it almost goes against our nature to show mercy. I, I think of, you know, uh, when, when Peter was asking Jesus, and it was really kind of like in his own mind, like, hey, how, how many times should I forgive, Lord? Like seven, 70 times seven, you know? I'm going to throw a bunch of numbers out there. No, it, it's, it's even more than that. It's so much more. Um, you know, merciful people, and here's what we learn. Again, there's so much more. I'm trying to condense it a little bit tonight. Merciful people don't point the finger. They forgive because they know they've been forgiven. And that's what we have to get to. Understanding that it's very easy to point the finger, right? It's very easy to point out everyone else's mistakes. Be in any kind of relationship and you can point out everyone else's mistakes. Very easy to do that. But being a merciful person, it's not always pointing out someone else's mistakes. It's realizing some of their mistakes are probably my mistakes. And the Lord has forgiven me and he's tried to help me and he's tried to grow me. So I need to be as compassionate on them as God has been towards me. And again, all of us struggle with this. I'm not trying to, to give us an out. I'm trying to help us understand what God wants us to learn. Another thing, a second thing, not only is a quality of forgiveness, but another quality is compassion. These kind of go hand in hand. You know, this is illustrated perfectly for us, to me at least, in the story of the Good Samaritan. Right? You have three individuals. you got the priest, you got the Levite, and the Samaritan. Uh, the priest, really, he represents the, the ritualism and the sacrifices. It was evident uh, uh, in, in what they did. Ritualism is a big problem uh, in that culture. It was a big problem in our culture today. You know, there needs to be structure and order in the church, but some things are mere rituals only. And many churches are filled with ritualism. You know, we stand, we sit, we kneel, we pray, we stand, we sit, we kneel, we pray. You know, whatever it is. Uh, that's kind of what the priest represented. The Levite, he represented the rules. And I've said this before, but it's true that the law can condemn us, describe us, but it cannot redeem us. And that's why Jesus came to redeem us. And the, the, the Levite basically looked at, at that man, you know, basically that attitude that, you know, you should have known better. Like, you should have known this was a dangerous area. What's your problem? And we do that sometimes. You should have known better. What is your problem, you idiot, or whatever we call them? Uh, that, that's not compassion. I'm giving an example, okay? That's not compassion, is it? But we do that, and we say even worse things probably sometimes. But the thing is, we've we got to look at the Samaritan. What did he do? He, he saw the struggle. He felt the need, and you know what he did? He acted upon it. How many have ever seen something that needs to be done or seen someone that needs to have compassion shown to them and did nothing with it? I think all of us can raise our hand there, right? Oh, I, I saw it. Hey, look at me. I, I saw that they needed help. And again, I'm not saying you have to help every individual because you can't help every individual. Sometimes you're to your own demise, and, and that's not, maybe not necessarily what God wants you to do. But just seeing something isn't enough, Right? Seeing and then acting upon it and trying to help where you can. Now, look, we have all been wronged. And really, we want to wrong others. I think that's the reality. And the best revenge, really, to give someone that has wronged us, it's actually counterintuitive. The best revenge is this. Show them love and kindness that they don't deserve. That's the best revenge. Someone wrongs you, someone does something horrible to you, instead of lashing back out at them like you want to, like I want to, like I do many times, treat them with love. Treat them with kindness. Treat them with compassion. That, that would shake most of those people up, right? Like, 
why are you doing this to me? Especially if they knew they did something wrong and bad to you. I mean, imagine like, uh, a little perfect illustration here. You got, you know, two siblings that are fighting and one just, you know, (laughs) just beat his brother to a pulp. He knew he did something wrong. Some of you guys are looking around, like probably just happened. Um, The other brother obviously could retaliate or what he could do is show kindness to his brother. That, that, that's extreme, isn't it? That's very extreme because what we want to do if someone beats us up, I got to beat them up. Someone does me wrong, I got to do them wrong. You see it all the time in siblings, you see it all the time in marriages, in relationships. But the best revenge, really, it's showing love and kindness that they don't deserve. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell us here. You know, mer- and I love this mercy is not a reaction, it is an action. It's not reacting to something, it's acting upon it. But then finally what we see is this, the reward for the merciful. It's pretty simple, the reward for the merciful, verse 7, blessed are the merciful, why? For they themselves shall obtain mercy. If you give mercy out, you know what's going to happen? Your heavenly Father is going to give you mercy. Mercy begets mercy. By showing mercy, forgiveness, compassion, love towards others, on a daily basis, we'll receive the same from our own Heavenly Father. Our world is, they, they have a messed up view of what mercy is. You know, sometimes it's like, they want mercy in the sense of, well, let's look past their sins. That, that's, that's not mercy. Like, it's no big deal. Sin is a big deal. God looks at the sin and He did something about it. So what do you do when someone hurts you? Do you put the fire out? <laughs> do you turn up the heat? Do you point the finger? What do you do? You know, the reward here for being merciful is really simple, and really it's a, it's a very simple lesson tonight. I don't want to go so deep with it. But get this. The more you demonstrate mercy, the more mercy you will receive. Now think about that. The more you demonstrate mercy towards others, the more mercy yourself will receive. You know, mercy is really it's a grace that flows from our spiritual bankruptcy. It's grieving over our pitiful condition. It's submitting to God's will. It's deeply desiring righteousness that only comes from God. And I love that quote that I gave earlier. Mercy comes from mercy. Our mercy to each other comes from God's mercy to us. We get the power to show mercy from uh, the real feeling in our heart that we owe everything that we are to our Heavenly Father. D.A. Carson said this, Mercy is a loving response prompted by the misery and helplessness of the one on whom the love is to be showered. It's a loving response. Even though they don't deserve it. They deserve something far worse. So here's the closing truth of this all. How much mercy you show is almost certainly the result of how much mercy you know. It goes back to what I just talked about just a minute ago. The more you demonstrate, the more you will receive. And who in here doesn't want to receive more mercy? Well, if we want to receive more, then we ourselves have to demonstrate it by acting on forgiveness. And that's just a couple qualities. There's so many more we could talk about. Forgiving people that don't deserve it. Having compassion on people that don't deserve to have compassion upon. You know, and that's what we need to do. We as Christians are the light, and we'll get to that here in a few weeks. We are the light of the world. We are trying to show the light to others that don't have the light that are in darkness. So how are they going to see the light of Jesus Christ, the truth of Jesus Christ, if we don't show them who Jesus is and what he is? 
If we only show them a picture of ourselves, do you think anyone is going to want to get saved? No. If I show the world a picture of Chris Thorne, they're not going to want that. (laughs) If you show the world a picture of yourself, they're not going to want that. But if you show the world a picture of Jesus Christ, they're going to see there's something different about you in a good way. I want that. And again, there's a lot of people out in our world that don't deserve mercy at all. They deserve something far worse. But remember, so do you. And if you are saved, if you're a child of God, remember what God has done for you. That's really what the Sermon on the Mount is about. Remembering who God is, what he has done for us, and in return, reciprocating what he has done for us, what he has given us. So how much mercy you show is almost certainly the result of how much mercy you know, knowing that God has given me mercy. He has been benevolent to me. He has showed uh, compassion on me when I did not deserve it. So I want to do the same. And look, it's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult because it goes against our nature. It goes against what we think should happen. And it's, 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 I think Amanda said or someone else, it's a constant dying to self of what we feel is best versus what we know is best based on God's word. Now, everyone in here, I'd say, I dare say, knows at least a few truths from God's word. Some of you know more than others. But are we applying the truth? That's what it comes down to. Are we applying what God has given us? Are we just, you know, storing up for some rainy day? Well, the rainy day is every day. <laughs> to give it out. To show forth who Christ is. Look, that, that's, that's living on mission. That's living a, a gospel-centered life. That's showing people something that they don't deserve. What you deserve is hell. What you deserve is death and damnation and punishment. But so did I. So I want to help you avoid that. I want to help you see the light of Jesus Christ in the light of salvation. Blessed are the merciful. Why? For they shall obtain mercy.